Genesis chapter 13, we're going to start reading from verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife, and all that belonged to him, and Lot with him. And Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, in gold. And he went on his journey from the Negev as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place, the altar which he had made there formerly. And he... and, and And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while they were dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling then in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord." Okay, so we see from verse 1, we see from verse 1 that Abram goes up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife. And so, you might recall from the last few weeks, they had come down from near Damascus, which is in in the top right there. They came down, and then they first camped just outside of Shechem, and then they moved from Shechem down to Bethel, uh, right between Bethel and Ai over here, right between these two places. And then they came down to Beersheba in the south. That's the Negev, the southern portion. And then they went into Egypt, which is down over here. They went into Egypt. Now they leave Egypt, very wealthy. They come back into the Negev. And then they, they move on up back to this same altar that he had built between Bethel and Ai. And it's from this vantage point, these mountains here, from these, this mountain chain, you can stand on the, this mountain chain and you can look right out over Jericho. So, so this is, this much is 10 miles. So it's just 10 miles, so you have easily 10 miles visibility on a clear day. Standing on top of a mountain, you can see this whole valley of the Jericho Valley by the Jordan. So here's the Jordan River running into the Dead Sea. And this is what they're talking about. And so you have two mountain ranges. You have a big mountain range here. This is Jerusalem, the, 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 all the, the mountains around Jerusalem and Bethlehem. You have another mountain range here, which is present-day Jordan. So just to the right, to the east of the Jordan River is present-day Jordan, and to the left is Israel. And so, or, or, or to the west is Israel. And then, then uh, um, he's looking down over this entire valley, really plush, because these two mountain ranges, all the water runs down off of them and feeds this valley. And so it was really plush, and that's what he's talking about. That's the the description of the regions that we're talking about. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, 
and he and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot was with him. So this is the first indication that we have that Lot actually was with him in Egypt as well because it didn't mention it in chapter 12, but it says Lot was with him. So Lot was indeed in Egypt with him. And in verse 2 it says, Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So we hadn't seen the silver and gold in chapter 12, but we had seen seven things, male and female servants, oxen and donkeys and, and camels that, that, that he had gotten from Pharaoh. He'd obviously also gotten silver and gold upon his departure. This departure from Egypt is very much like the next departure that's going to occur when the children of Egypt leave 430 years from this point. When they leave, they're going to leave very wealthy because the Egyptians gave them many things that they ended up using to, to build their tabernacle. But you see, they leave extremely wealthy. And, uh, um, and it says, so, so now Abram was very rich. This is, the, the connotation here is very heavy. Almost like clay and heaviness, like sticky clay. There was a lot that he had. And he went on his journey from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where he had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. And remember, he had built a, a, uh, a, a uh, it, it had told us in, in chapter 12, he had built an altar there. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So Lot obviously became wealthy as well. So Lot was also given gifts, given gifts being uh, at the time from Egypt, and he became very wealthy. So the two of them were together. In verse 6, And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. It says the land couldn't sustain them. So this portion where, 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 where they are with, so they're, they're in this region right between Bethel and Ai. This region is far more, more um, green than is Beersheba. You go to Beersheba, it is just barren in the south. This is far more green, but not green like American standards, not green like Virginia green. Not like that. I mean, we, we, are, we are really spoiled in the amount of vegetation that we can have. In places, I mean, you, you, you can have a, a head of cattle on like 10 square feet in Virginia. I mean, there's plenty of food there. This, it's, I would say that, that it's more like West Texas. You know, this, this mountainous region is a lot like West Texas. You can have cattle, but you still need a lot of room for, for animals to graze because, because of, of, of the, the nature of the land. And so they couldn't be there together. They had so much between them. In verse 7, And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram, Abram's livestock, and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in, in the land. So there were Canaanites and Perizzites. So they didn't live in these cities. They lived outside the cities. So some, some scholars feel that those who lived in the cities, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Perizzites being one division of the Canaanites living in the land, actually had a lot of grazing land around those cities, so Abram and Lot had to go further away. But all we know from the text is the land could not sustain the two of them. They were so wealthy. And they had many slaves. So they were wealthy, they had lots of servants. And uh, so the herdsmen start to fight. Generally, there are fights over water. There are fights over water to this day. Not just in that region, all over the world. More wars have started. Far more wars have started over resources, natural resources, which is generally water. 
than over ideology. Natural resources is what starts wars. And uh, uh, for them, it was clearly water. Now we do water and sometimes oil. But again, it is, is lots of wars start over water. And so there's this confrontation that's going on between them. And it says, <clears throat> so in verse 8, So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to look, I'm going to start reading from a, 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 a different text here. I'm going to start reading from the, uh, the Young's literal translation, because you always lose something in a translation. And this portion is particularly rich. In verse 8, in the New American Standard, it says, So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me. This word please is left out in the NIV. But, but uh, um, I don't know, maybe it is in the NIV, but, but it's, it's translated in the King James and it's translated in the, the Young's literal translation in, in, in verse 8. It's translated as, I pray thee, which is a very common expression in the, the, the book of Genesis. I pray thee. That is the word please. It's a very simple word in Hebrew. It's the word na, na. So, so, nah, please, let there be no strife between you and me. So remember, there was not strife yet between Abram and Lot. There was strife between his herdsmen. But he says, let there be no strife between you and me. I'm going to head this thing off early. I don't want this to rise to the point of strife between you and me. He says, let there be no strife. He says, please. Now, remember, Abram is the greater here. Abram is the uncle. Abram is the man. God had told him in chapter 12, verse 7, that all this land is going to be for your descendants. And what he means, and if you look at that word, the actual word there is to your seed. Not even seeds, but to your seed, a particular line among your descendants. And we're told in the New Testament that it is seed, not seeds. The seed meaning Christ. That particular line that led to Christ. Abram had several other sons, but it had nothing to do. It was only going to go through Isaac, that particular seed. But it had nothing to do. There was no promise to Lot. Yet Abram, in his graciousness, steps down. This is what I want you to remember. In graciousness, he stepped down. Abram is the guy. This belongs to Abram. And Abram says to him, please, He's not like, look, this is the way it's going to be. I'm the man. God spoke to me, remember? Spoke to me. Told me to enter in here. He said, your descendants, and uh, need I remind you, you're not my descendant. You're my brother's descendant. This is mine. No. Abram, in his graciousness, steps down. And he says to him this word, nah, please, let there be no strife between you and me. And he initiates it. The greater initiated it. The greater initiated the peace. In my marriage, we've gone to marriage counselor, counselors several times throughout my marriage for tune-ups. You say, oh, you went to marriage? Yes. You got a problem with that? <laughs> we went to marriage counseling and it's helped us a lot really helped us a lot. And I, I really prefer going to, to 
women marriage counselors. Because if, um, if we go to man, a male marriage counselor, Shireen feels like she's being ganged up on. But when we go to a woman, she's back there staring at me, giving me the eye. So I'm not looking at you, okay? <laughs> um, when we go to a woman, I feel really good about this because so often they take my side. And it's like, yeah, what she said. <laughs> and... and uh, but I initiated it every time in my marriage. I initiated it. I saw things were not working out well. And I said, we need to go to counseling. And she was gracious enough to say, okay. Okay. Okay, you need it. <laughs> no, she didn't, she didn't say that part. But she was gracious enough to go with me. But I initiated it. That's a rare thing. Very often in marriages, men won't initiate it. It's the woman who cries out and says, we need some help. We need some help here. And so, Abram, being the leader, he initiated it. Are you the believer? Are you the one who carries this banner in relationships? Then you initiate it. Abram was the one who initiated it. He said, let it not rise to the point where it's between you and me. It's between our herdsmen. Sometimes one day you'll have neighbors and your children will get in fights with the neighbor's children. And you're kind of friends with the neighbor. What you want to do is you want to go to the neighbor and get this thing resolved at your level. You know, our kids are having problems. Let this not rise to our level. They're kids. Let's work this thing out. You have to initiate it. As the believer, you have to initiate it with your neighbor. Remember, the greater one shows the graciousness and steps down. That's the lesser here. The lesson here, the greater one shows the graciousness and steps down. He says, please, let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. This word brothers is male relatives. We are, we are, we are men relatives. We are men and we are relatives. Don't let it come between us. Is not the whole land before you? The whole land is before you. Huh? I thought that's your land, Abram. At least, it was, it's never been promised to you. In, in chapter, chapter 12, verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. To your descendants. It had not been given to Abram yet. It had only been given to his descendants and actually to your seed. Singular. But Abram says, Is not the whole land before you? I'm offering it to you. The greater steps down and offers to the lesser. Please, again, the word there in, in, the, in, in the Young's literal translation in verse 9 is, I pray thee. In the Hebrew is not. Please. It's not like... It's... Please. Please. The greater says, please. Separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. If to the right, I will go to the left. Then it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar. So Lot didn't say, no, my Lord. No, Abram, my uncle, who has taken care of me. No, Abram, my uncle, with whom I've hung out and gotten rich. No, let us not separate. 
He didn't do that. Nor did he say, no, you choose and I'll go the other way. Okay. You're offering it to me? All right. Yeah. And it says, and Lot lifted up his eyes. I want you to think about that statement. Lot lifted up his eyes. In, in, in verse 10, it says exactly that in the, in the literal translation. And Lot lifteth up his eyes. And it says, and he seeth the whole circuit of the Jordan, that it is, water, it is a watered country. He looked over, so from this vantage point of this mountain, you can look out and you can see that whole valley. It's huge. He looked over the whole circuit of the Jordan. He says, uh, I'll go there. He lifted up his eyes. Like he's really something. Yep. Okay. I'll take advantage of this. You, you got to look out for number one, you know. Just looking out for number one, numero uno. So what we got to do here, Abram. And that's what he did. He looked out for number one. And he took the whole valley, which says the whole circuit, the whole thing. He didn't say, I'll take this little corner of the valley and you'd go to that corner. No, I got the whole thing. I'm going to take that whole Jordan Valley. It was well watered and it even says, even to this day, it, it, it can be well watered in certain seasons. But it stresses something. It says this was before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, which were down in that valley area. After he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, something had happened. There was a real destruction that occurred that to this day, it's not as lush as you would think. That's why the author is saying here, this happened before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. In that time, this was like Zoar in Egypt where you have all these rivers coming in. This is like the Garden of the Lord. It was like the Garden of Eden down there. That's the area that he chose. And he kind of left West Texas to Abram. And Abram didn't go, hey, 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 come on now. I mean, you're being a re Abram let him go. What a man. What humility. Graciousness steps down. So Lot chose, in verse 11, for himself all the valley, all of it, the entire circuit. He didn't argue with him. He says, okay, I'll take it. You offer it to me, I'm not going to leave anything on the table. I got the whole valley, the whole circuit. The whole valley of the Jordan and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in, in the land of Canaan while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. So he didn't live yet in Sodom. He moved his tent, his tents, plural, as far as Sodom. That tents implies that it's more than just him. It's just all his servants. He had many tents. He moved them as he moved them close to the city of Sodom. Later on, we're going to see he moves into the city of Sodom, and he sits in the gate of Sodom, meaning he becomes an elder in that city. That's the city the Lord destroys. It says, Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly, and sinners against the Lord. These weren't just regular sinners, like everybody here. He's, these guys were really wicked. The Lord makes it very clear these were special wicked people he ends up moving in, in with. Verse 14, Then Abram said to Lot, 
Then the Lord said to Abram, after they had separated from him, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and western. Isn't that interesting? The Lord now, after they had separated, now the Lord comes to him and says, now Abram, you lift up your eyes. But isn't it interesting? This is what I want you to see here. In verse 14, they drop this from the NIV, which is a paraphrase. They even drop it from the New American Standard because it doesn't make good theological sense to the, to the translators. But if you go to Young's literal, literal translation, it says, And Jehovah said unto Abram, after Lot's being parted from him, Lift up, I pray thee, thine eyes. The word not is there. God says to Abram, Please. God says to Abram, please. This word, I pray thee, is used about 50 times in the book of Genesis. It's used three times by God, four times by God to a person. Every four times it is to Abram, and three times it's a direct appeal. Only to Abram does God say, please. God says, please? He's God, remember. You know, God sees Abram graciously step down. He says, I can graciously step down too. Abram, I pray thee. Abram, please. You see the connotation there? You see the beauty in that? That God appeals to Abram like a friend. That's why the Bible says God was Abram's friend. Abraham was the friend of God. That's how God characterizes Abraham. as the friend of God. He says, nah, I step down. He says, I pray thee, open your eyes. Now, now you lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, he says. Lot lifted up his eyes. You lift up your eyes now. And look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. This northward is like our northward. There, there, his, that southward means, the word, the word has this connotation toward the Negev. To, when, when, he, when he says eastward, it says, says uh, um, this eastward is, is, is um, I can't read it because I don't have my glasses. I can't, but the westward is toward the sea. The westward is toward the sea. So he tells him, you look all around. You look all around. This is what you're going to see. Everything, look around. Now he says, for all the land which you see, I have given to you and to your seed forever. Chapter 12, I gave it to your seed. Chapter 11, he says, go into the land. He didn't know where he was going. Chapter 12, he gave it to his seed. Chapter 13, he says, I give it to your seed and to you. You gave that part to, to, uh, um, to Lot. I give it to you. It's yours. If you want to allow Lot, you know, a, 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 uh, to have it for a time, fine. But it's really yours. God gives it to him. Isn't it interesting that the man who yields, the man who is gracious and steps down, God comes and blesses that man? Then he says, I will make your descendants your seed as the dust of the earth. So that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your seed can be numbered. And we're told in the New Testament, very specifically, we are told that this seed is singular and not plural, 
and the seed is Christ. That one line, arise and walk about the land throughout its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. He says, I want you to walk from top to bottom, from, from east to west, from north to south. This was actually, I think, the first Holy Land tour. I mean, God was giving this. He was showing them everything there. Took them all over Israel. Showed them all this land. He says, this is all yours. You know, everything. He said, hey, I want you to see this. You know, he takes them over the Valley of Jezreel. He takes them up to the, to Mount Tabor. You know, wherever you go on these tours, when you, when you go, he says, look over this valley. He says, hey, this, that's yours. That's yours. I give it to you. That's yours. Wherever he sets his foot, it belongs to Abram. Then Abram moved his tent and came and he dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and he built an altar there to, to the Lord. Again, that's a public, a public uh, uh, worship of the Lord. So after he walks the whole breadth of this area, after he walks the whole breadth of it, he ends up settling in just outside Hebron. Again, he stays out of the city. He lives as a nomad outside the city. And he lives just outside of Hebron. This is where Abram is, is buried. This is where all the patriarchs are buried with their wives except for one of the wives who used to, used, uh, used to uh, uh, have idols, Rachel. But all the others, and they're still buried there to that day. This is in Palestinian territory now, but as an, an American passport, you can go there. And they have still control this little, little part. Israel still has their guards there and they, they control the tombs of the patriarchs. Right there, even though this area, including Bethlehem, is all Palestinian territory right now. Um, but but that's, that's where he eventually ends up there. So you see this, this whole thing about Abram, how he stepped down. Well, Jesus, this is exactly what Abram tells, what, what Jesus tells us to do. I want you to look in... in, in uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 25. Book of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 25. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to become first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom to many. He says, the Gentiles lord it over you, and everybody wants to be great. Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? Pretty famous guy. That's the way of the world. Jesus said, that is Gentile. He said, it's not this way among you. You want to be great? You shall be a servant. Whoever wishes to be first shall be a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Just as Jesus came graciously and stepped down, this is what he calls us to do. One day a young man came to me, he was working in another research group, and he said, he said, you know, the, these... You know, I've, I've worked so hard all these years and I hit on this project and it's really taking off. And now all these other people on the lab, in the lab are glomming on to this project and trying to get into it. And I haven't even published the first paper in this yet. You know, what should I do? You know, I'm just getting all upset. I said, just be gracious. You just pray and you trust the Lord. But be gracious. You let the Lord take care of that. And it calmed him down and gave him great peace. 
and the Lord took care of it. And we did, he defended his thesis. I mean, it was clear what God had done. I remember there was just recently a guy came to me. We, we developed this, this procedure called laser-induced graphene. And people had used lasers, and they made amorphous carbon before, but we figured out how a laser can make graphene. And, and uh, uh, I didn't figure it out. One of my students did, which means that they graciously put my name on the paper with them. And so one of my colleagues in another university with whom we're collaborating was really upset. He says, this, there's a paper that's been published, and they're talking about laser-induced graphene, and they didn't even acknowledge you, that you're the one who discovered this. And I told him, just chill out. It's okay. God will take care of the reputation. I'm not worried about that at all. God will take care of that. When we leave these things in God's hands, God takes care of it. God does it. God will take care of it. He said, Abram is like, don't worry about the land. I don't have to worry about this. God will take care of it. Here this guy, Lot, who's got this entire plush valley, his, you know, he's going to end up with more animals than me. I mean, because he's got, he's got great feeding to I'm not worried about it. God will take care of it. If, you're learn, if you learn to be gracious and step down, and it is something that we are specifically called to do as believers, because Jesus calls us the believer. He doesn't say, the Gentiles should learn how to be gracious and step down. He said, no, you! You learn to be gracious and step down. We're going we're gonna to read uh, uh, one other passage here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. This is our instruction. We get instruction from the epistles. This is what he calls us to. This is our instruction. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Whoa. Whoa. I remember I was working in a lab. Very simple things. I mean, you, you must... Why, why would I get upset over something so simple as this? But anyway, I worked in this lab and, and when I was in graduate school. And I would always come in very early in the morning before anybody else. And we had these solvent cans that you would bring to the stock room and get them filled. And I'd come in the morning, they'd be empty, and I'd go and I'd fill them all up and get them all filled up. And, you know, this, this is like a 20-minute job. So every morning I'd got to come in and i get them filled up. And then the other people would start coming in at normal graduate student hour, 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, you know, noon. They'd come in, and all the solvent cans were all filled up and ready because I'd, I'd gotten them all filled. So one day, it was just really bothering me. I'm not going to do this anymore. I already had the solvents that I needed. I'm not going to do this anymore. And, and uh, I remember around lunchtime, this one guy comes walking. He always came in about lunchtime. I'd already been in the lab for six hours. He comes in around lunchtime. And then I hear the solvent cans. He's shaking them. He goes, hey, hey, you didn't do your job. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, boy. And he comes over and says, you didn't do your job. You didn't fill the solvent cans. I'm thinking, you know, this isn't what Abraham would have done. Abraham would have filled. And so I went back the next day. I started filling the solvent cans again. But God blessed my work so much. I mean, so much. And this kid, I mean, he had all the solvent in the world, but his reactions weren't being blessed. I mean, God took care of my reactions. 
These are simple things. But I'm telling you, we are to be in that position. Well, let, let, let these other people take out the trash. Well, I'm tired of taking out... No. God has called us to take out the trash. God's called us to do that. He said, he said but with humility of mind, regard another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Jesus comes and he empties himself. That God would take the form of a man. I mean, think about that. That's like you or me saying, I think I'll take the form of a maggot. I mean, that's the differential we, to think about. The Bible says he took the form of a man. God, from on high, in graciousness, steps down. That's what he did. He said, be like Jesus. Just as Jesus demonstrated this, he emptied himself he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself. I mean, God has to empty himself in order to become a human being. That's what God has to totally empty himself. Being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of a, as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Well, what did it get Jesus? It got him killed. What will it get you? Well, it might get your pride killed. That's where it got Jesus. It got him killed. And what's the result of that? In verse 9, for this reason also. For this reason. What reason? The reason that he just covered. Because he emptied himself for others. For this reason, God highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. For the very reason that he humbled himself, God exalted him. For the very reason that you humble yourself, God will take care of your profession, your name, your career, your family. Trust him. This domination is foreign to the gospel. Jesus comes and he empties himself. To those of you here who do not know the Lord, Jesus emptied himself for you. He comes and he gives himself for you. He comes and he dies for you. And he says, come, come to me, come to me, come to me this day. That is the call of the gospel. Come, come to this Jesus who emptied himself for you. That's the call of the gospel. Give yourself to this. Come to Jesus this day. We will pray. And in this prayer, I urge you to accept the Lord. Accept the Lord. And we're going to have lunch together. Come and talk to me over lunch. I want to personally tell you the story of the gospel. Tell you how this works. Where Jesus emptied himself for you. Come to me. That's how good our God is. He emptied himself for us. And this is what he calls you to. In your career, there's going to be times where people are going to try to put you down in order to step up. You commit that to the Lord. You continue to serve and be a servant there. I'm telling you, if you are a servant at work, 
your bosses will see it. Your bosses will see it and they will recognize this. They'll say, look at that person. They're always doing this and this for the group and for others. If you learn to be a servant, God will take care of your career. Jesus said, you want to be the best, become a servant. You want to be the best, you become a servant. You learn how to serve others. He will take care of your career. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank you so much for your word. I pray, Lord, for these young people that you work in their lives, that they would become like Abram. That they would become like Jesus. Father, that they would would not be selfish and conceited. But Lord, that they would see what it's like when you build a career. When you say, lift up your eyes and look around. When you do that. Father, I pray that you take these young people and they would remember this message. So that when they are going through different things where they feel put down, where they feel like they, they, they have to assert themselves, Father, that they would learn to walk as Abram did and trust you with their careers. Father, I pray for the grace of God to be here upon the unbeliever, that they would come to you this day and say, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner. Come into my life. I believe Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your precious work in our lives. Glory be to your name. Glory be to the name of Jesus. Amen.